right, let's open our Bibles to uh, 1 Kings chapter 6. All right, as we get into chapter 6, we'll see how far we'll get in chapter 6 tonight. We may not go through the, uh, the entire chapter tonight, but we'll see where the Lord leads with that. <clears throat> we see Solomon's getting ready to start building the temple uh, as he started getting the preparations and, and working with uh, other outside groups to uh, help in providing the materials and getting the uh, temple ready for being built. And we're going to go ahead and read in verse 1, and it reads, and, he came, and it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel in the month of Ziv, and that's around April or May, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. So now we, we see 480 years after they come out of Egypt, after the Exodus, we see Solomon finally building a permanent spot of worship for the nation of Israel. Beforehand, they would worship in the tabernacle, which was a tent that they would pick up, and wherever they would go, the tabernacle would go with them. But now we're starting to see more of a, a permanence in this land of Israel. <clears throat> also look at him starting to build this temple as also another sign that the promised land was given to Israel. As they, they start to plan this temple as a permanent spot and a permanent settlement in the land. And we look at the tabernacle, too, as, as, it was a, as being a shrine, and we look at the temples more as being a permanent position. And just like our lives, before we were saved, we would travel around and we would move place to place, worshiping the sin or worshiping the idols we may have had in our lives. But now that we are, we are saved and we belong to God, we now have a permanent spot to worship, worship in God, worship who he is, and we have a, a, a place of focus on where we should put our worship. May our worship never go away from God. May we remain permanent in him. Amen. In 1 Kings 5, 5, which we read last week, we saw that Solomon had purposed in his heart to build the temple. Now he is actually going to put forth the effort to start to build the temple. So what he had purposed in his heart is going to finally come through. And how many times have we purposed stuff in our lives but maybe procrastinated a lot in it? I'm pretty sure Netta can attest to me being a procrastinator at times. But we will always, uh, we may have in our mind to do something, whether it's for the Lord or our families or our friends or whatever it may be, but we seem to always just put it on the back burner and we never get to do it. But we see Solomon purposing his heart to build the temple and he's actually going to step out and do it. And may we take that example from him to step out in faith and do the things that we purpose in our heart, the things we purpose in our heart for the Lord, or the things we purpose in our heart for our families. May we step out in faith and do it as Solomon's about to do with the temple. So, you know, as we read through these next couple chapters, I guess, we can probably just skim over all of this because there's going to be a lot of, he had so much bronze, he had so much gold, he built it to this cubit, he built it to that cubit, and it would be easy just to kind of rush through this to get on with the rest of the book. But there's so much detail in here of the instruments that were used for worship, so much detail in the building and foundation of this building that we know that God is into details, not just the details of this temple, not just the details of this building, but he's in the details of each and every one of our lives. And if we're going to be called the temple of God, he wants to take, take time to take care of those details that are in our lives and take care of his temple. And that's who we are. So let's look at some other details as we go through in which he cares for. 
We're going to start in next one, chapter 2. I mean, uh, verse 2. It says, Now the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, his length was 60 cubits, his width 20, and his height 30 cubits. Now, a cubit is about 18 inches, about the size of a forearm. When I looked it up, that's what they told me they would go to measurement off of. The vestibule in front of the sanctuary of the house was 20 cubits long across the width of the house, and the width of the vestibule extended 10 cubits from the front of the house. So we're looking at the temple, which was probably double the size of what the tabernacle was. So it was a little bit bigger in size. And we look at the temple, it provide, the temple would provide a picture of the church, but it still doesn't hold the same significance as what the tabernacle held. If you look in uh, Hebrews chapter 9, it talks about all the symbology of the tabernacle and how it relates with Jesus and how it relates with us at the church and even things that were in heaven. So why is, why is the tabernacle more of the example than maybe what the temple was? Because the tabernacle was very simple. The simplicity of life, the simplicity of what God looks for. Whereas the temple was full of ornaments and very, very dressed up. And man likes that. It's pleasing to the eye. And we think of all the, the, the churches over in Europe right now that are just dead, beautiful the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, I've been there, is a beautiful building, beautiful on the inside, but it's dead. And there's no amount of, of dressing it up that can ever bring it back to life. The inside is dead. So the simplicity of who God is and the salvation that he's given us is what we need to look at, not the outside appearance of what that building would look, at, would look like. So man prizes why the ornate. He loves the shiny things of life. He loves the good things. And I'm not saying having a good car or a good motorcycle or a good house and all that is bad, is wonderful. You can have it. But let's not make that our number one thing in our life. Let's keep things simple the way God would have us do it. Let's move on to verse 4. It reads, And he made the house windows, uh, made the house uh, windows beveled frames against the wall of the, against the wall of the temple, he built chambers all around against the walls of the temple, all around the sanctuary and the inner sanctuary. Thus he made side chambers all around it. The lowest, cha lowest chamber was five cubits wide. The middle was six cubits wide. And the third was seven cubits wide. For he made narrow ledges around the outside of the temple so that the support beams would not be fastened into the walls of the temple. And the temple, when it was built, was built with stone finished, in a, finished at the quarry, so that no, hor, uh, no hammer or chisel or iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. So it says here that the temple had windows. Now, the tabernacle did not have any windows in it. The light came from the Shekinah glory of God within inside the temple, but, I mean inside the tabernacle. But here we see that Solomon put smaller windows inside the temple to bring in light. He also had it for ventilation, smoke from the uh, sacrifices and such. He had that in there for that. The, tab the tabernacle was also mobile, so we know that the tabernacle moved with the people, whereas the temple itself was permanent. And it was also for those who would come into the promised land to realize this is where, like I said earlier, where we're going to permanently worship God. Now, as we're looking at verse 7, 
I'm going to refer back to last week when we talked about the costly stones that were there for the foundation. And he goes on to talk about the stones being cut in the quarry and brought over to be built. Not only are we going to talk about the foundation of it, but we're also going to talk about the, the, the stones that were put in to build the walls, so the basic building materials of this temple. And, and as I looked at this, I started thinking of 1 Peter 2.5 when he talks about the stones. He's going to talk about the living stones. He says, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So us as being the temple of God, we are those living stones. We are the stones that are part of this temple that pleases God. Now, this makes the world we live in the rock quarry. This is the place where we're chipped and we're grinded on, and we're smooth, and we're polished, and, we're put in, and the work is being completed here so that we can, we can fit into heaven when that time comes. So he's slowly and working on us to get ready for heaven. And we're going to talk about Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 19, 21, it reads, Now therefore you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. We are the temple of God. We are what is being built to glorify God and bring pleasure to God. And like the temporal old, we are built on a hewn foundation. And what are those foundations? Well, we're going to speak about three different elements to those foundations tonight. The first one is going to talk about, we're going to talk about sound schooling. The second one we're going to talk about is the suffering Savior. And the third is going to be talking about the squirming saints. And that has to do with the living stones that we'll, we'll talk about. So number one, we're going to talk about the sound schooling. In Ephesians 2.20, it says, having been built. So what is being built? It says, when thousands of worshipers came over to worship inside the temple of God and worship in the temple that Solomon built, Solomon never worried once about that temple falling down. No, how, no matter how lively and, and excited the worship may have gotten, how rowdy it may have gotten, he never worried about that foundation giving way and breaking down the temple. He never worried about that. He was confident that no matter how intense the worship was, it's not going to fall. And as a temple of the true God, we can feel confident in our worship, in our prayer, in our, in our relationship with God, that we would not crumble either. But what is that foundation we're looking for? We're talking about sound doctrine. We're talking about where our heart needs to be and where our minds needs to be to have a solid foundation. I heard it said, it says, if we don't know the Bible, if we don't know its doctrines and we don't know its theology, it is vitally impossible for us to know if we're going to hear a false prophet or not. If we don't know the voice of God, we're going to listen to anything this world has to say. So I have a story about foundation. I'm going to go ahead and read it to you all. It says, there was a lovely shade tree growing alongside a hill, growing on a hillside. One day as a storm came, the shade tree began to rock back and forth. 
creaking and groaning under the pressure of the wind. When the storm had passed, the shade tree wisely said, I've got to become stronger. I must ready myself for the next storm. So the shade tree began to branch out, extending itself, producing more leaves. It looked even more beautiful than it was before. But no sooner as it began to branch out, the wind began to blow once again. This time, harder than before, the tree began to creak and groan, and the wind blew against it. Suddenly, it felt itself being pushed over, headed for a crash. When it lodged against a neighboring oak tree, when the storm passed, the shade tree said to the oak tree, How did you survive the storm? How were you strong enough not only to survive, but to support me when I was falling? The oak tree looked at the shade tree and said, While you were branching out, I was digging in. While you were spreading your leaves uh, above the surface for everyone to see, I was digging in below the surface where the real, real strength is found. So what are you? Are you a shade tree or are you an oak tree? Where is your foundation set at? Are you sinking your roots deeper into the ground? Are you sinking deeper into this word of God and learning everything that he has in here for you? I think, I think in our society, we are so biblically illiterate, it's, it's ridiculous. People don't know the Bible anymore. It's taken out of school, so it's not taught to our children anymore. Families are so busy nowadays, it's hard to sit down and read the word with our children, or much less with our spouses. You go to work, you'll get ridiculed for maybe pulling the Bible out at your break time to read. They'll laugh at you. In, in, the devices we hold in our hands today, though we do have Bibles on them, that's great. There's such a distraction. We can say we're going to read the Bible on, our, on the devices we have, but what do we end up doing? Going to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We end up doing that instead of reading what his word has to say. And everything he wants to say to us is in this word. Every foundation that we need to start our Christian life is in this word. But yet we neglect it as a society. It, it's, it saddens me to see that, that we do that. And am I guilty of it? There's times I'm guilty of it too. I don't always get in the word quite how I want to get in the word. Distractions of the life come and, and take me away from wanting to read the word. I may get tired because I've worked hard all day long and I, and I want to read his word, but my flesh gets weak. But there's such a neglect of his word, it's, it's, it saddens me. But this is where our foundation of faith comes from, the teachings of the apostles, teachings of the prophets. His word is our foundation. So are we sinking our roots deeper into the ground to have a firm, stable foundation like this oak tree had? Or are we trying to spread our arms out and look good for everyone around us? But yet when those, those trials and those tribulations come, we're going to just get blown over like the shade tree and have to depend like he did on this oak tree to hold him up. Let's not be like the shade tree. Let's, let's, let's be like the oak tree that, that sunk his roots deep into the ground to get a firm, steady area. Let's, let's learn about the doctrines that are in, in here of justification, sanctification. Let's learn about the, the love that the Lord has for us that we can build our foundation on. That's what we need to do. We need to not worry about the, what the outside world thinks of us if we're going to decide to read our Bible in public places. We need to proclaim the gospel and proclaim this word wherever we go.
The second one we're going to talk about, second element, is the suffering Savior. And in the same passage in Ephesians, it says, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So the cornerstone was where they started a lot of the foundations off. Is the first, first stone they would lay down to lay the foundation down. And that's who Jesus is to us. He is the, the basics of our foundation in our faith. He is what we hang our hats on. He is what we hang everything on, is Jesus Christ. He is the start of the foundation. So when we spoke about the schooling and we spoke about the word, we're speaking about Jesus. There's no difference because in John 1, it says that he was the word and the word became flesh. They're one and the same. So that foundation starts off with the cornerstone. Paul tells us that in the temple of God is built only on the foundations, not only on the foundations of the apostles and the prophet, but the foundation of the chief cornerstone, who is Jesus. That means as we study the word, we do not simply gain intellect from it. We're not reading it just to get smarter for the sake of getting smarter. We're not reading it just to impress people. We're reading it to build that firm foundation like that oak tree. We're reading it to get it put in our souls to where everything we do, say, and think comes from this word. It comes from Jesus. So that he's on our mind 24-7. Paul said to pray without ceasing, right? Does that mean that we're going to be on our knees before the altar all day praying? No. That means that God is constantly on our mind. And what he wants in his ways is constantly on our mind. And whenever things come up to bother us and things come up to, to uh, hinder us, what do we do? We bring it straight to prayer. There's no, there's no certain posture you have to be in to pray. There's an attitude of prayer an attitude and a thoughtfulness of prayer and having God on your mind all the time is the foundation that we need. And it all begins with our chief cornerstone, who is Jesus. Before the world ever existed and the Lord suffered for us, he was thinking about you. He was thinking about, hey, one day Roy, who is not here, is going to be saved. And I love Roy, and I want him saved. Even when we were in our sins and our transgressions, and we were, we were in, in a, a time in our life where God was not even a second, third, fourth, or fifth thought. He was thinking about us. That chief cornerstone was thinking about us. He was setting a foundation for us before we even knew we needed that foundation. And I mean, we were still sinners, and what did he do? He still died for us, and he still loved us. So how much more do you think he loves us now that we've accepted him and we're walking with him? And we have a desire to walk in his solid foundation. We have a desire to dig deeper into his word to hear what he has to say to us. So how much more does he love us now that we've accepted that salvation that he's given us? I know as children we all heard the song, and I'm not going to sing it, but Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells us so. That is still a firm foundational truth that we have to remember today even as adults no matter how old we get jesus loves us and we are his children he wants to hold us like children in his arms we could be in our 90s and he's still looking at us as a little child and we could find comfort in that even if you didn't have a good father you didn't have a good mother we could find comfort in that love that jesus wants us to have in him we can look to him as a good father. We can look to him as the good parent who loves his children and see how it's supposed to be. 
and just fall into his arms and let him love you. That's the foundational chief cornerstone that we have as our Savior. The third element we're going to talk about is the squirming saints. That's me and that's you. The living stones that we talked about in 1 Peter. And we talk about what kind of stones grow, what kind of stones expand. Living stones. And as living stones, we're going to bump into people in our lives that will challenge us. Whether believer or non-believer, we will bump into people that will challenge us and test us and build us just as those who were in the quarry chipping away at stone. Your neighbor to your left or right, they may be the ones that chip at you. Your wife, your husband, they're the one who's going to form you and chip you and grind you and build you into what God wants you to be. Because God uses us as tools to build each other up in the faith. And he may bring challenges. He's bringing challenges to me at work right now that is just building my character up. That I don't even know how that's going to end up. But I know he's using this to challenge me. And that's okay. It may be a, a, a family member. Maybe you have a son or a daughter that is wayward and you just don't know why, why, Lord. Why is this happening? He's trying to build your faith up while still working on that wayward child as well. So the people that are around us will build us and shape us and mold us. And we talked about the costly stones last chapter, and it talks about it again here in 7, about the stones that were built for this foundation. And they have to be chipped and carved and fitted together so that when we get to heaven, we're made right there. God will continue to pound on you. He's going to continue to take you to the woodshed sometime to get you right. That's just, that's just the way he's, he works it sometimes. But, that, but by taking you to the woodshed and by pounding on you, he's building your character up. Building you up to, to be able to go to heaven and live with him one day. But as he's building you up, he's going to use you to sharpen somebody else as well. He's going to use you to form somebody else as well. So just remember that as living stones and squirming saints... We are all being built together to have God and to have Jesus' character in our lives. So, are there going to be certain people that are going to challenge you? Yes. But just remember, that's supposed to help your faith grow. So don't fight it. I wrote down here, it says, and I'm going through this right now, it says, okay, Lord, if this is the boss you want me to be under, so be it. This is the boss I'm going to have. If this is, this is the family member you gave me, as much as I may not like him or her, this is, this is what you gave me as a family member. I, I have to find a way to deal with this. But while I'm going through it, Lord, show me what you're trying to teach me. Show me what I need to learn from this and grow in this. So may the Lord make you solid below the surface. May he form a strong foundation in our word, in him, our chief cornerstone, and also help in the squirming saints or the living stones that are around us, forming us and shaping us to fit perfectly into eternity. And all of this is done, why? Because in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, it reads, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, 
Preach the word. Preach the word. In season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. So we're building this foundation that, that we, the, in his word. We're building this foundation on who Jesus is to what? To be able to be ready in and out of season for anything that may come our way. Any trial, any tribulation. Being able to share a good word with our neighbor. Being able to share the gospel with someone and see salvation come into their life. So once we have this foundation set, we're able to be a better witness to those around us. Once this foundation is set, we'll be able to be a better witness for our family and a better example for our families, better examples for our friends, our work colleagues. So once our foundation is set, we're ready to be used. But if we don't have a set foundation, just like that shade tree, we can break easily and have a lifetime of hurt and pain. But if we have that foundation, we can stand firm on the promises of God. We can stand firm on the promise that he's going to take us into eternity one day. Amen? So let's make sure our foundation is firm and is solid in God. We're going to go ahead and go on to uh, verse 8, and it reads... The doorway for the middle story was on the right side of the temple. They went up by stairs to the middle story and from the middle to the third. So he built the temple and finished it. And he paneled the temple with beams and, bo- and boards of cedar. And he, built, and he built side chambers against the entire temple, each five cubits high. They were attached to the temple with cedar beams. Then the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, This is going to be something we've heard over the past couple chapters, too. Concerning the temple which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments, and walk in them, then I will perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father David. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people, Israel." So here we find ourselves again. First, David told King Solomon, follow my statutes. Then God himself told King Solomon, follow my statutes. Now we see God telling Solomon again, follow my statutes. Follow my way. Walk in my statutes. Execute my judgments. And keep my commandments and perform my word. This seems to be a repeating theme throughout the first couple chapters here. I think there's something to it. So God's given him this. We've got to follow his way. And we already know from the, from the previous chapters that we need to follow his way. And often if we run off course and we kind of feel an emptiness in our, in our lives and we kind of feel like God is so far away, did God run away from us? No, we, God stands firm. We often walk away from him. We don't follow his statutes. We don't follow his commands. We don't follow in his ways. We go off and do the things we want to do instead of doing what God wants to do. But there seems to be a command that is consistent over these past few chapters. So there's something to it. God wants us to follow his ways because his ways is good. His ways are best for us. He knows what is best for us. He knows the will that he has for us. He knows the promises that we have for us. And how are we going to know that? We're going to revert back to what to know. Back to his word, back to the foundations that we talked about. And he also told Solomon that.
he kept his statutes and kept his ways, in verse 13, he said, And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people of Israel. So what happens if you don't walk in the ways? He will not dwell with the people of Israel. He will forsake them for a moment. So if that was for the nation of Israel, how much more is that for us today too? If we walk in his ways, what will he not do? He will not forsake us. If we walk in his ways, what will he do? He will dwell with us. But if we choose to move away from him, we choose not to dwell with him. We choose to forsake him. It's never on God. So, in other words, I'm saying that God is concerned about the building of this temple, yes. But overall, God is concerned about the building of you, the building of his temple, both individually as believers and also corporately as a, as a group of believers, as the body of Christ. He's concerned about building us up. Not the physical building. Sure, that was great, and he wanted that. But he wants to build us up as a body. He wants to build us up in the most holy faith. Amen? Amen. So let's follow the ways of the Lord. Let's not neglect his statutes. Let's build our faith on this word that we have right here in front of us. Our nation is one of the most blessed nations in the world. We have every translation possible, even the nearly inspired version. Any kind of English translation you want, you can find it, whether on the Internet or in the bookstore. You can find it. There is no lack of the word in our society, none. But we neglect it. We don't have a love for it. And as I'm doing this, I'm developing such a love for it. And I thank God for that. So... What I charge you all with tonight is to start building your foundation, strengthening your foundations. If you stop strengthening your foundation, start tonight. Start pouring more concrete in there. Start pouring more of the rhubarb that needs to go in there. Start pouring more of God's word into your life. That way, when the wind comes and the storms come, you're on a solid foundation. It's not going to be on sand to be washed away. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this time just to hear about the foundation, Lord, that you, you want us built up as Christians and as you want built up in our lives so that we can stand firm on your word and we can stand firm when time comes that is hard for us, that we can look back and say, hey, my chief cornerstone is going to keep me solid and keep me going through the storm. The hurricanes may blow, the winds may come, Father, but standing firm in your word is where we stand and how we can make it through, Father. So we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for this time that we're able to spend as believers in the fellowship and just to learn more about you. And we ask for your blessing as we head home tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.